sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome to hour number two of the morning after live on this Wednesday, live on SportsGrid, Sirius XM, channel 159, the home for SportsGrid radio on Sirius XM and all across the SportsGrid network. In hour number two, we bring you plenty more from the NBA finals and some NBA draft news to pay attention to as well. The drama in the world of golf continues on we'll get cam rogers take a week out from the u.s open and what the usga had to say about players on the live golf tour there's also a tournament on the pga tour this weekend as well and we're not doing puck talk wednesday with ben right now we'll get to puck talk playoff talk with pete jensen of nhl.com recapping game number four of the eastern conference finals last night between the lightning and the rangers where that series stands at two games apiece and what it means for the hunt for lord stanley's cup but we begin here in hour number two with an update on deshaun watson in the latest in terms of what is happening off the field a thorough comprehensive and strong report yesterday from jenny Ventis of the new york times detailing over a 17th month 17 month span 66 different women in massage therapy for Deshaun Watson, receiving massages from at least 66 different women in a 17-month span, to be crystal clear about what I am saying there. Some of these women, speaking publicly for the first time, have not filed lawsuits in a civil case against Deshaun Watson, but it does contradict the claim and is a much larger number than Deshaun Watson and his legal team have said. It also undercuts the idea that Deshaun Watson has maintained he has done no wrongdoing and that he was only seeking professional massage therapy help. Many of these claims in this thorough report from the New York Times about further sexual misconduct from Deshaun Watson. 66 different women speaking out publicly in a 17-month span. The Cleveland Browns have taken a lot of heat, and we'll get into that in just a moment. But this report from the New York Times also detailing how the Houston Texans abated some of what Deshaun Watson had done as well, providing him hotel rooms at an upscale place in Houston, having massage therapists sign non-disclosure agreements as well, helping in Deshaun Watson seeking out of massage therapy, but detailing how clearly there was some un, uh, some things happening in this situation that were not wanted by these women. Sexual misconduct, act, asking for sexual acts that they clearly were uncomfortable in doing. And Deshaun Watson has maintained his entire time he has done nothing wrong. So as we look at this, further reporting, 24 civil lawsuits still outstanding against Deshaun Watson. And as he has already met with the NFL, some reports that both the National Football League and the Cleveland Browns organization were not aware of this 24th woman filing that civil lawsuit. So maybe Deshaun Watson misleading or his legal team misleading what had happened at this point. It will always blow my mind that the Cleveland Browns stood up there when they acquired Deshaun Watson, giving him a five-year $230 million guaranteed contract 
And they said, we have done our due diligence. We are comfortable in the character of this man, and we are comfortable in what we have heard in our investigation to this point. It will always blow my mind that the Cleveland Browns could claim due diligence in this situation. A welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience here, the second hour of the morning after, live on the grid, Sirius XM, channel 159, all of our Sports Grid Radio terrestrial affiliates as well. I am Ben Stevens. We are discussing the further reporting from the New York Times yesterday, a thorough, extensive, and strong report from Jenny Vrentis saying that Deshaun Watson had seeked out over a span of 17 months, 66 different women to perform massages on him, changing some of the claims that he and his legal team had made and undercutting the idea that he was only seeking professional massage therapy. Further reports from some of these women who have not filed any sort of civil lawsuit of further sexual misconduct and inappropriate sexual acts in massage therapy. So for this entire time, we have talked about the Cleveland Browns. Well, the Houston Texans seem implicit in this idea as well, according to reports yesterday. But Deshaun Watson now is the quarterback as we take it strictly to the football field, although this is much greater than anything that's just happening on the gridiron with a pigskin. We look at the Cleveland Browns. Again, giving Deshaun Watson this summer and acquiring Deshaun a five-year, $230 million, fully guaranteed contract, sending three first-round picks to the Texans organization, uh, spurning their relationship with Baker Mayfield, their former first-round pick. And for the first time this offseason, we have seen a change in the odds in the AFC North because as of right now, the Cleveland Browns are no longer booked as one of the co-favorites to win this division. Plus 230, now that price on Cleveland, trailing both the Baltimore Ravens and the Cincinnati Bengals in this market. The Flock, plus 175, the reigning AFC champs in the Bengals, 2-1. to one. Just yesterday, Cleveland was tied alongside Baltimore at 2-1 to one as the co-favorites in the AFC North. There is a very real possibility now with this further reporting from the New York Times that any suspension we could expect for Deshaun Watson will only grow larger. There is a very real possibility that Deshaun Watson might not play for the Cleveland Browns this year, and they have spurned the relationship with Baker Mayfield, and they have sent three first-round picks to the Houston Texans. A lot going on as we continue to monitor this situation throughout the NFL offseason. More of the morning after, up next here on Sportsman. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back right here on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159, the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM and all across the Sports Grid Network. I am Ben Stevens. The NBA Finals, game number three tonight, the Boston Celtics, the Golden State Warriors, tied at one game apiece, and the Celtics, a three and a half point home favorite in game number three. That's this year in the NBA championship. Only at most five more games of this NBA season. But just over two weeks away on Thursday, June 23rd, a focus on the future for the 2022 NBA draft. And oh boy, has that market 
been moving. So what do we do here on a Wednesday live on the morning after? Of course, we take a look at where those odds have changed. We do that right now in Market Movers. The last time I had really checked in on the draft odds for the 2022 NBA draft was right around the time of the NBA draft lottery. That was May 17th, just about three weeks ago in Chicago. At that moment, there was still a feeling, there was a clear distinction between the big three in this draft class and Jabari Smith out of Auburn, Chet Holmgren out of Gonzaga, and Paolo Bancaro out of Duke. And at that time, as you'll see with these odds on the left, the day of the draft lottery versus where they are now, there was that distinction. But now it's even greater, and there's a much larger distinction of who is going one of one. That looks to be Jabari Smith. Minus 105 as a slight odds on favorite back on May 16, actually the day prior to the NBA draft lottery. Now he is minus 600. That price would indicate that Jabari Smith is certainly going number one overall to the Orlando Magic, who won the NBA draft lottery. Chet Holmgren was plus 145. Now he's plus 340 as we pull up that graphic once more. Paolo Bancaro was plus 390. Look at this movement to 26 to 1. That's what we do in market movers. We look at all the drastic movement we will see. There was that clear distinction, and there still is kind of, but the clear distinction is really more between one and two than the top three from the rest of the draft field. Jaden Ivey at a time was thought maybe he could be factoring into that number one overall pick conversation. He was 50 to one now. He's 200 to one. Shaden Sharp also 200 to one. Johnny Davis, the same number at 200 to one. Big movement for Jaden Ivey. He had uh, 150 prices on that number. But when you look at it really right now, where those odds stand, with Jaden Ivey, Shaden Sharp, Johnny Davis, as you see, after Paolo Bancaro at 26 to 1, pretty much everybody else to go number one overall is 200 to 1 right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook. But the movement that should stand out the most, Jabari Smith, minus 105, was still the favorite to go number one overall prior to the NBA draft lottery, now at minus 600. It was thought to be, will it be Jabari? Will it be Chet? Some of those NBA mock drafts had Chet Holmgren as the one runaway number one overall pick. That is no longer the case. It seems that Jabari Smith will go first overall to the Orlando Magic. So let's go back to that draft order. Let's take a look at the top 10 right now following the NBA draft lottery because very interesting odds up right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook for the top 10 of this NBA draft. In order, the Magic selecting first, Thunder number two, the Rockets at number three, the Sacramento Kings select fourth, the Detroit Pistons round out the top five, the Pacers at number six, the Trailblazers at number seven, much to the chagrin of Damian Lillard on the NBA draft lottery stage, the New Orleans Pelicans at number eight, the, new, uh, the San Antonio Spurs at number nine overall, and then the Washington Wizards round out the top 10, selecting 10th. So as you can see right there, Jabari Smith, again, minus 600 to go number one overall to the Orlando Magic. But here's the fascinating thing right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Each of the top four picks, there are only five markets available right now on FanDuel to go number one overall, to go number two overall, three, four, and five. The top four picks right now all have a very, hefty odds on favorite 
to be selected in that draft position. Let's run through it. Jabari Smith, as we showed you, and how the market has moved is minus 600 to go one of one to the Orlando Magic. Substantial amounts of movement, as you see here in these odds, from where it stood just about three weeks ago, now a little bit more than two weeks out from the NBA draft. There was a thought, maybe it's Jabari at one, maybe it's Chet at one, but as you can see, it's minus 600 for Jabari Smith, plus 340 for Chet Holmgren. But Chet Holmgren to go number two overall to the Oklahoma City Thunder is minus 350. And the player with the second best price is Jabari Smith at plus 360. So if it's not Jabari at number one, he'll be around at number two. If you have the same two players that are the favorites to go both one and two, it should show you they will be selected one and two. And based on the heavy odds that have a minus money price next to it for Jabari at minus 600 at one and Chet at minus 350 for two, it looks like it will be Jabari Smith first through the Orlando Magic and Chet Holmgren number two to the Oklahoma City Thunder. So where do we go at number three to the Houston Rockets, who selected number two overall last year, taking Jalen Green? Also, another pick early on in the first round last year, Alperin Shingun out of Turkey, who had a pretty good rookie year in Houston as well. Well, Paolo Bancaro is minus 470 to go number three overall to the Houston Rockets. Again, there was a clear thought in this draft process that picks one, two, and three would be Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren and Paolo Bancaro in some order. There is a clear difference right now based on the odds and many thoughts around the NBA draft process that those three prospects are a field above the rest right now where things stand in the NBA draft. Because Paolo Bancaro, again, minus 470 to be the third overall pick for the Houston Rockets. But at number four, where you can see the Kings are selecting, it's another pretty heavy minus money price on Jaden Ivey at minus 210 out of Purdue. Jaden Ivey is minus 210 to go number four overall. Keegan Murray is plus 500, and Shaden Sharp is plus 550. So it's not only that hefty minus money price to be an odds-on favorite to be selected at whatever draft position you are. It's also the distinction and the difference in the price to the guy with the second best odds or the guy with the third best odds. For Jaden Ivey, who has actually the shortest number relative at minus 210 to go number four overall out of the teams or out of the players, I should say, with the four best odds to go to those four number one overall picks or the four top picks in the NBA draft as I fumble over my words a little bit here. It's that distinction at minus 210 for Jaden Ivey to where Keegan Murray is at plus 500 and Shaden Sharp at plus 550. So you might be thinking to yourself, all right, we're looking at the NBA draft. Jabari Smith is minus 600 to go number one overall. Chet Holmgren is minus 350 to go number two. Paolo Bancaro is minus 470 to go number three. And even Jaden Ivey at four to the Sacramento Kings is minus 210. Where's the fun in that? Where's the drama on draft night? If it seems like the first four picks we already know with certainty where they will go and in what order, Maybe it starts at number five for the Detroit Pistons. Maybe Detroit doesn't even keep that pick. We'll see exactly how things stand right now. The Pistons selected number one overall last year, taking Cade Cunningham out of Oklahoma State. Many around the Motor City thought Cade could have been in the running for the offensive or for the NBA Rookie of the Year. A good rookie campaign for Detroit but at number five is where the draft gets a little bit interesting no odds on favorite 
It's Keegan Murray right now, though, as the favorite price at plus 145, but there's only 20 cents of difference to Shaden Sharp at plus 165. So there it would seem the NBA draft begins in 2022 at number five overall to the Detroit Pistons. Might the Pistons try to package something there for a player by the name of DeAndre Ayton? Is that too much for the former number one overall pick? in the 2018 draft class, but reporting out of the NBA makes it seem like DeAndre Ayton has played his final game in a Suns uniform. We go to the world of golf. So much is happening. We need the insight of Cam Rogers up next on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. It felt like yesterday there was an unrelenting amount of news in the world of golf. The Live Golf Tour, as we broke down yesterday, and some of those big components over there now with Phil Mickelson and Dustin Johnson and all of the big money at stake on that side of things. The PGA Tour and how they feel about it. And then even more came later in the afternoon following the ending of the morning after well we're back here on a wednesday on the morning after live on sports grid i'm ben stevens and helping us make sense of everything in the golf world is our guy cam rogers our pga tour and golf expert because it's not just the pga tour anymore the host of the lock it in podcast for believe and here to detail a day full of drama a week full of drama that only seems to be continuing cam thank you for being here on the morning after What's going on, Ben? Did I miss anything this week? What's going on in the world Probably. of golf? I mean, my gracious, it has been content central, and it's only Wednesday morning here, so we are going to go through quite a process of news nuggets within the next week and a half or so because we have the U.S. Open next week, mm -hmm. and one Phil Mickelson will be there. Yes, he will, and with the USGA making a ruling yesterday. So, Phil will be at Brookline at the Country Club for the 2022 U.S. Open. Tiger Woods will not. In a tweet yesterday, Cam, sharing out that he had previously informed the USGA he will not be competing in the U.S. Open this year. Hopes to gear up, hopes to recover to be there for the Open Championship at one of his favorite courses in St. Andrews in Scotland, but will not be in the U.S. Open next week at Brookline. What did you make of this news from Tiger Woods in a day full of news in the golf world? Yeah, like you said off air, Ben, I was not too surprised about this news. I mean, you're talking about a very small time frame in terms of opportunity to recover with the PGA Championship and the U.S. Open, right? So really small timing there. I'm not too surprised. And really, you have to wonder if Tiger Woods actually thought he had a good chance at contending at the U.S. Open. This is a tournament that I think going forward in his career, he's not going to have a good chance at contending at. Really, it's the Masters. It's the Open Championship for me going forward. So this is the right decision, the sensible decision. Take your time, get ready for St. Andrews, a golf course that you know very, very well, and a golf course I think he can be successful at here in 2022 because the Open Championship typically caters to that older guard on the PGA Tour. Just ask Tom Watson at the age of 59, nearly hoisting yep. the Claret Jug 
back in 2009, Ben. So, yeah, great decision here for Tiger Woods. Selfishly, obviously, I want to see him out there as much as possible. But if he's out there hobbling and withdrawing on a Saturday evening, I don't want that. So nobody knows sure. his, better, uh, his body better than Tiger Woods. So I think this is the right call. In the U.S. Open, known as the hardest test in golf, a grueling four-day, 72-hole event. Tiger won it in 2008 with a torn ACL on his left knee. He knows better than most how difficult that event can be. So resting up, and hopefully we see him in a month's time in Scotland at St. Andrews for the Open Championship. Now, speaking of the U.S. Open, Cam, we were all awaiting the official decision from the USGA as it pertains to the big names that have qualified for the U.S. Open that now play on the Live Golf Tour. The USGA saying yesterday they will be allowed to compete at the 2022 U.S. Open. They will not change their guidelines for qualification for this year's event. So Phil Mickelson said he will be at the U.S. Open. He will be. Dustin Johnson will be at the U.S. Open. He will be as well following the USGA's ruling yesterday. Cam, what did you make of that decision from the USGA? I think, honestly, outside of the Tiger Woods news, this was the biggest news nugget of the week so far because here is an important distinction, and I talked about this last week on your show, Ben, but I want to mention it again. The PGA Tour does not run the U.S. Open, the PGA Championship, the Open Championship, or the Masters. Those four majors are run by separate governing bodies, so they can make their own decisions on a case-by-case basis about what they want to do with these live golfers. The PGA Tour can't do anything about it. So in theory, Phil Mickelson can be a full-time live golfer, but play the four major championships every single year. This is significant news because I think we're going to get more defections from the PGA Tour because of this. Now, we still don't know what the RNA is going to do about the Open Championship. We don't know about Augusta National. We don't know about the PGA. But still, now you're seeing news about Bryson and Patrick Reed and Ricky mm -hmm. Fowler. You know, those guys are typically qualified for these majors now coming over to the Live Golf Tour. So I think the PGA Tour should be a little bit scared here about the USGA's ruling because if you can play the majors and you can make a ton of cash on the Live Golf Tour, that is a very attractive situation for a lot of these golfers out here. Two of my thoughts and my reactions to this ruling from the USGA yesterday, one being first and foremost that as it pertains to the major championships, as you have some defections from the PGA Tour, although the Live Golf Field is not great by any means in fact seems like a minor league and very lackluster outside of a couple of big names but phil's 50 plus now so it's not like he's playing great golf it, it makes the major championships all that much important all that much more important i should say on the world stage if you have some golfers away from the pga tour and you have these rivaling tours but also cam as you look through and my second takeaway from that usga statement yesterday and you dive through some of the wording it made it seem like at least for this year given how quick the turnaround was from the live golf tour naming their field just a couple of weeks ago until right now that their guidelines couldn't be shifted for 2022 but will that be the case always moving forward into further usga events so this is all surrounding the 2022 U.S. Open next week at Brookline, the country club, Brookline, Massachusetts. Cam, it is going to be a media frenzy. It is going to be a media circus. What are your expectations for the environment next week at the country club? 
So many things at play here. First, you have the live golfers playing at the U.S. Open, our nation's championship, playing, by the way, for a Saudi-backed golf league. So that story just writes itself. And then you throw in the fact that we're talking about Boston, Massachusetts. Boston fans, Ben, those fans mm. can be rabid. They can be crazy. There could be some heckling for the likes of Sergio Garcia, which is nothing new at a U.S. Open. Same with Phil Mickelson at a U.S. Open. How will these guys be received now that they're playing for a Saudi-backed golf league? And so that's something to keep in mind. And then, of course, you just have the golf course in general going to be a really difficult test. No Tiger Woods. He'll be a storyline as well. And really, this is going to be Phil's toughest test, if you will, to hmm. complete the career Grand Slam just from a PR perspective. He better be ready to rock with the questions or the answers, I should say, because he's going to get a lot of questions about, you know, this decision and what have you. He's probably getting more friendlier treatment out there in London with the live press and what have you. But it's going to be a lot different in Boston, Massachusetts. So buckle up, Ben. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot different next week. And that media circus we can expect in a day that has felt like, oh, my God, everything is golf. Next week is going to feel a lot of the same. So can we just show the outright odds from a strictly golf betting perspective as we look forward to next week at the country club phil mickelson is 150 to 1 we don't really expect him to factor into the championships in turn of in terms of winning it outright where do you think the early value is yeah so how about this fade the live golfers because i don't know if they're ready to face this media circus right here that's going to be distraction central for the likes of dustin johnson and sergio garcia and phil mickelson so Elsewhere, you know, going down the board a little bit, somebody who I liked at the Masters, Daniel Berger's at 50 to 1. I still think that is a disrespectful number for him. This guy is fantastic balance game, something that you want here at a U.S. Open. Keep an eye on him. Will Zalatoris, I mean, this guy has been automatic in terms of hitting greens, has shown success at U.S. Opens before. Keep an eye on him as well at 27 to 1. Probably going to stay off JT. Going to stay off Scotty Scheffler. I'd rather go down the board a little bit into these 20s and 30s where I see more value, in my opinion. You know, Tony Finau is somebody who has impressed me lately, 41 to 1, typically known as that pristine major championship type of golfer. So keep an eye on him as well, Ben. All of this going on where we still have a PGA Tour event this week with some pretty big names in the field at the Canadian Open and some odds available on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Scotty Scheffler, Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy, all golfers at this moment that have declared their loyalty to the PGA Tour. So can the outright board for this week, let's just talk some golf here. Where do you think the value is this week at the Canadian Open? Yeah, let's make make the folks some money here, huh? So I'm going with Tyrrell Hatton at 27 to one as my projected winner here this week. I think it's time for him to win again on the PGA Tour. Number one in strokes gained putting over the last 24 rounds. 13th at the PGA Championship a few weeks ago. I think this seems like a Tyrrell Hatton golf course, if you will. Hmm. Tight, short track. It could be a scramble fest as well. These greens are really small. So if everybody's missing greens and this turns into a wedge game and a putting game, Tyrrell Hatton is somebody that I'm looking at here this week. And then, you know, just a couple of top tens here, Ben. Corey Connors, the yep. Canadian, RBC Canadian Open, home field advantage. Why not? Got to do it. You know, plus 270 here for Corey. Seventh in strokes gained tee to green over the last 24 rounds. Really good ball striker. Can find that putter sometimes. Maybe it happens here this week. And then Chris Kirk at plus 350. Originally, this was Patrick Reed. 
but he's now playing on the Live Golf Tour. He withdrew yesterday. So uh, Chris Kirk, fantastic putter, fantastic around the green player, fifth at the PGA Championship not too long ago either, Ben. So really good player, Chris Kirk. I like him for a top 10. The Live Golf Tour already making Cam Rogers change some of his best bets. That is a shame. But Cam, a great job breaking down everything that is going on in golf because there is so much happening right now. Cam Rogers, the host of the Lock It In podcast for Believe, our golf expert here on the morning after. More TMA up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Playoff puck talk as the Stanley Cup playoffs continue on in the Eastern Conference Finals. Game number four last night in Tampa Bay. We break that down here in just a couple of moments on a Wednesday live on the morning after on SportsGrid and Sirius XM Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens. NHL.com's Pete Jensen will be here in just mere moments. But we entered last night in Tampa with the two-time reigning Stanley Cup champs the Lightning down 2-1 in their series against the New York Rangers. They had taken game number three back at home at the Amali Arena. They were down 2-0 in that series at that time on Sunday afternoon. Down 2-0 in the second period as well. But Tampa storms back to win game number three by a final score of 3-2. And then last night, evening the series at two games all. The Lightning have won two, both games on their home floor. The Rangers also two wins inside Madison Square Garden to start this series as well. The Lightning were hefty favorites last night. Minus 182 was that closing price on the money line. So there was a strong expectation from the books that Tampa would take care of business, win its second game at home, and even the series at two games of peace. So now where it stands, following four games in this Eastern Conference Finals, New York has won two, Tampa has won two, and as we look at the Eastern Conference Finals price, it's the Tampa Bay Lightning as a strong series favorite, minus 165. The Rangers were a minus 140 series favorite, entering game number four so helping us to make sense of it all here in the eastern conference finals it is nhl.com's pete jensen the host of the fantasy on ice podcast piece pete we saw a sweep in the western conference finals between the abs and the oilers it seems like we got a good one however though in the eastern conference finals definitely and with tampa bay holding serve with the two home games the Rangers' status of having command in this series may be over right now. It's back to square one. I think Tampa has gotten its mojo back. Tampa only has one home loss all postseason, so you got to give them credit. It seemed like they were down. The Rangers, you know, bucked that trend with uh, Tampa Bay always bouncing back uh, after a loss. But it doesn't matter anyway because they just won two in a row here uh, to even the series. So, yeah, it seems like it's going to go six. You know, it's definitely going to go six now. I think it's going to go seven. It's a tremendous series. The other one uh, was pretty tight most of the games but ended in a sweep. So the Avalanche are watching and waiting and, you know, resting up and uh, 
braving the elements, waiting uh, for this uh, yeah. matchup to be determined. It's going to be a fun cup final, that's for sure. So, Pete, not only was Tampa down two games to none in the series, entering game number three back at home over the weekend, they were down 2 nothing in the second period. They stormed back to take game number three. They look incredibly impressive last night, looking like that two-time reigning Stanley Cup champ. What has changed in your mind for Tampa here once they have returned home in the Eastern Conference Finals? Yeah, I mean, they could get, they got better matchups uh, with having last change at home. That usually happens. That's why the Rangers were able to bounce back in the previous round against the Hurricanes. That's definitely something you always look at. We're not ruling yep. out a team of Tampa Bay's caliber uh, when they go back home. But yeah, I think just like the separation that, you know, players like Nikita Kucherov, Steven Stamkos, Andre Palat especially have gotten in yeah. those two games led to kind of like a dominant puck possession display for Tampa Bay. Whereas like the Rangers going into game three, I believe were leading the series eight or even going in, yeah, going into after game three, it was eight to three mm -hmm. and even strength goals in the Rangers favor. But you know, the Tampa Bay lightning have gotten better and better from a puck possession standpoint against New York over the course of this series. And then one concern I had about the Rangers all along, whether they would translate to the playoffs, how high their ceiling would be, is that their metrics in puck possession over the course of the whole season were mediocre to poor. So maybe that's finally catching up to them. We all know how much they rely on Igor Shesterkin all season yeah. long, but you know, when does that eventually come to a head and work against them? Uh, maybe it's happening right now. If Igor Shosturkin is giving up four goals, there doesn't seem to be all that much optimism on New York's side. Pete, I'm glad you bring up Nikita Kucherov. Contributed to all three goals the Lightning scored in game number three. Scored a dandy last night against Igor Shosturkin in game number four. What has impressed you most out of Kucherov throughout these Eastern Conference Finals? He definitely has this next level mentality where not only is he super hungry, despite achieving what he's achieved through the years, you see it. I mean, even through the years, like I know it worked against him uh, three years ago in that Columbus series when they got swept, but he's extremely passionate, extremely hungry and super talented. Maybe other than like a Connor McDavid might have like the best mind of any player in the entire league and his creativity and seeing the plays develop before they happen. We saw that with him passing it to Palat, uh, eyes on the back of his head, it looked like on that play, that one game three in the late stages. But yeah, Nikita Kucherov, uh, I don't feel like gets enough attention for what he's done over the course of his playoff career, leads the entire NHL by a wide margin in points, um, in the playoffs since entering the league in 2013-14. And we've seen, right, the first two years of the Lightning winning the Cup, it was Victor Hedman winning the Smythe. Last year, it was Andre Vasilevsky. If the Lightning win it this year, it could be Vasilevsky again, but Nikita Kucherov is making quite a case for himself. And, you know, nobody can knock him this year. I mean, people were knocking him uh, last year when he right. missed the regular season and came back for the playoffs with the injury. Uh, timing was everything last year, but now he played the majority of the regular season. So nobody can say anything negative about Nikita Kucherov right now this postseason with what he's doing.
Pete Jensen from NHL.com, the host of the Fantasy on Ice podcast, joining us here to look back on game number four of the Eastern Conference Finals and how many more games we might see as one team looks to punch a ticket into the Stanley Cup Final against the Colorado Avalanche, who await the winner of the ECF. Pete, you mentioned it when you came on to today's show that you expect this series to go the distance. We will see at least six games and maybe even a seventh. If we do see a seventh game inside Madison Square Garden, where the Rangers will be the host, how do you expect us to get there? Well, I think the Rangers are going to have a much better effort in game five than they did in game four. Maybe that goes without saying, but the Rangers were really close, like you said, in game three to putting their foot down and stomping on the lightning when they had the chance to. They didn't do that. Maybe that will be a moment in the series when you look back and and say that was their real chance to put the hammer down. But anyway, game five is going to be really close, I think. And then game seven, game six and seven, depending on the desperation level for the Lightning, depending on how um, healthy Braden Point is, this is something I'm keeping an eye on. His potential return has not been mm. ruled out for the series, has not been ruled out for the cup final if they get there. But obviously he hasn't played since game seven against the Maple Leafs in the first round, and he is their closer. So it would be really uh, interesting to see if he could be available. And on the Rangers side, unfortunately, while the Lightning are dealing with an injury to their top center, now other than Zabanajad, you see injuries mounting for New York with Philip Heedle leaving the game yesterday and Ryan Strom not being able to play yesterday. That's your number two and number three center. That's big trouble if you're New York, if one or both of those guys can't play the rest of the way. It would be an absolute pleasure with how good the playoff hockey has been this postseason in the Stanley Cup chase to see the Eastern Conference Finals get to a seventh game. But whoever wins it, Pete, will have to take on the Colorado Avalanche for the opportunity to hoist Lord Stanley's Cup. And Pete, as you well know, Colorado has been booked as a favorite, strongly so pretty much throughout the entirety of this postseason. Right now, live on the FanDuel Sportsbook, minus 220, against either New York or Tampa Bay to win the Stanley Cup. Do you believe, Pete, the Avalanche will be such a strong favorite by the time we get to the Stanley Cup final? Well, I mean, that number is as big as it is. I think that the Nazem Kadri injury is really something to keep an eye on. Again, remember, I had Avalanche over Tampa Bay Lightning at the beginning of the season. So... It's not surprising to see that matchup if it happens. And I was that wasn't a bold pick by me. These are two of the best teams all year, all year round. And of course, the you know, reigning back-to-back champion lightning in the mix once again in the final three teams. But Nazem Kadri's injury, Darcy Kemper's injury, his eye, which he injured in the first round uh, against Nashville. It remains a concern because Pavel Francois had to come in for the Avs and and help them complete that sweep. Luckily for Colorado, Francois is undefeated this postseason. The Avs are a total juggernaut. They're undefeated on the road this postseason. If either of those hold true, they'll be just fine. But I think with Kadri potentially out, sounds like he'll probably be out for most of that cup final series. That levels the playing field. And then if it's Pavel Francois on top of that, um, I don't know that they should be uh, in that much of a driver's seat. I I do expect the Avs to win the cup this year, 
But if they're rolling out Pavel Francouz against either Igor Shosturkin or Andre Vasilevsky, that's a mismatch, not in, that, in their favor, right? It would be so surprising, in my opinion, to see a championship series where one side was a greater than $2 favorite. We'll have to see how these odds continue to change as we await to see the winner of the Eastern Conference Finals between Tampa Bay and New York. Pete, who do you think matches up better, though, in that potential Stanley Cup Final against Colorado? Is it the Lightning or is it the Rangers? I think it's probably the Lightning, uh, just with how grizzled they are, four strong lines. You don't really have any concern about any depth player on Tampa Bay holding their own in any matchup, even with what they've done sweeping the Florida Panthers without Braden Point, their top goal scorer over the past three postseasons shows their level of trust, their bounce back ability. I mean, we know about it right now. The Rangers are on kind of a dream ride right now. Uh, again, they lost control of their series a little bit, but they do have some game breakers and star power. But when you look at New York, like I haven't seen that much from Artemi Panera in this postseason. Uh, that's a player that would really need to click it into a high gear against a team like the Avalanche for them to be able to match what they're doing. But one of the best matchups, if it does happen, would probably be Kale McCarr against Adam Fox, two of the top five defensemen yeah. in the whole league, two college hockey products from just a few seasons ago who are both flourishing, not only in their careers to this point, but this postseason, those guys are both producing at historic paces. So if it ends up being Rangers against Avalanche, McCarr versus Fox is the headliner for me. No odds up just yet for game number five in the Eastern Conference Finals between the Lightning and the Rangers back inside Madison Square Garden tomorrow night. But the atmosphere is going to be electric. Pete Jensen of NHL.com and the Fantasy on Ice podcast. Pete, quickly here, when's the next Fantasy on Ice podcast dropping? Uh, we'll see how long this series goes, but we just dropped one yesterday with myself, gotcha. Nick Alberga, Jackie Redman from NHL Network and WWE. So go check that out. And thanks for having me on, Ben. As always, Pete, more TMA up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Closing out our two hours together here, live on a Wednesday on SportsGrid and the morning after. Sirius XM Channel 159, the home for SportsGrid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the SportsGrid network, I am Ben Stevens. It's game number three of the NBA Finals tonight. Inside TD Garden, Boston, Massachusetts, the site for the Celtics. A three-and-a-half-point favorite against the Golden State Warriors. A series tied at one game apiece. You know that's where the best bet is coming but how can we find the edge and maybe a little bit of plus money? So before we say farewell, before we say goodbye, it's time for an NBA Finals best bet. It's time for Bye Bye Bye. The Golden State Warriors in this NBA championship series and really throughout most of this postseason have been a dominant side in the third quarter. They make their halftime adjustments and for whatever reason in the next 12 minutes, 
They look really, really good in the third. In game number one, they won the third quarter by 14 points, 38 to 24 over the seas. In game number two, a 35 to 14 blitz to open up the second half, winning that third quarter by 21 points, an average margin of greater than 17 points per game. So how do we take that into our handicap and hopefully profitability for game number three tonight? We look at the Warriors in the third quarter. For Golden State just to win outright is even money right now. They're booked as the underdog at plus 100. They have won each of the first two three quarters in each of the first two games of this NBA Finals. They also won three of the five against the Dallas Mavericks by an average margin of 10.6 points per game. But you also saw the alternate team total there for Golden State tonight in the third quarter. 27 and a half is that alternate team total, the over at plus 140. In the first 16 games of the Warriors postseason leading up to the NBA championship, they averaged 28.4 points per game in a third quarter. And they have scored 38 and 35 in games one and two of this NBA Finals. Tons of fun for game number three of the NBA Finals tonight. The morning after, we'll be back tomorrow. I'm Ben Stevens. We'll talk then.